Well, I'm excited about the word. I want you to go with me to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 10 for just a few moments. I believe somebody's going to walk away from here different. I know you are. Your life is getting ready to change forever. I believe that you're going to have an understanding of why you haven't stepped into the place that you want to step into or haven't been able to step into. I believe you're going to get some understanding of that today. And uh, I believe we are in the most prophetic time we're in some shifting, changing times, the whole body of Christ, the whole earth. And I'm excited about what the Lord is doing, even though I, I don't know everything. I know a few things that I believe, but I'm excited about what the Lord is saying. So in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 10, starting at verse 3, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Notice what he said in verse 4. He said, pulling down strongholds. Everybody say strongholds. Now, let's real quickly go to the book of Numbers chapter 13, I believe it is. Numbers chapter 13, just a couple verses there. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Old Testament. Numbers chapter 13, Israel is getting ready. God has brought them to the promised land, to their promise. They're getting ready to step over, and they make a decision that they want to go see if it's what God said it would be. So in Numbers 13, I'm not reading the whole chapter, but just a couple verse. They have gone in. They have seen it like they, like they were told, and this is what they come back with. Then they told him, and he said, We went into the land where you sent us. Let's read this together, this part. It truly flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. Now you can stop. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified or walled and are very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there or the giants are there. Now I want you to last verse. I want you to go with me to the book of Joshua chapter 1. This is all going to tie together, so hang with me. Joshua chapter 1 verse 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, or Moses' servant, Moses, my servant is dead. Now, therefore, let's read this part together. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them. To the children of Israel, every place the sole of your foot shall tread upon, I have given you as I have said to Moses. Father, thank you for your word. Holy Spirit, thank you for speaking through me. And I yield it to you right now, everything that you will touch the hearts and the lives of this people. Everybody say it. Amen. Amen. I'm going to title this. I'm weak at titles, but it's the best one I can give because I believe it's time as we step into this new month of September, it's time for us to go get our promises. 
Let's go get it. Look at your neighbor and say, let's go get it. I've heard a number of prophets in the country and out of the country say that this month of September is a month that God is going to unfold his promises, that we're going to start seeing it and we've got to go get it. The Lord quickened to me the other day. The reason that a lot of times we're not seeing what we want to see is we first, if we're going to go into the land, we're going to have to deal with something. We're going to have to deal with the strongholds that are in our lives. I want to show you something this morning as we talk about strongholds. I don't share with the team beforehand what I'm ministering, but a lot of times when they've asked the Lord what to bring, it will align to what God is speaking of my heart into the message. When we start thinking about strongholds, a lot of times we think, most of us think of it like this. It's the stronghold that the enemy has upon us. Well, that may be true in one definition, but that's really not the full understanding of what a stronghold is through the scripture. Let me give you three different types. I'm going to go real quickly. So I want to give you three different types of strongholds because not every stronghold is bad. You need to understand that not every stronghold is bad. First of all, we'll call it like this. There is a wilderness stronghold. That was when children of Israel come up out of Egypt and they're going and their enemies would approach them. They would find a cave, a safe place or something like that. The word stronghold literally just means, let me find my definition. It, it means this, a place that is fortified so as to protect against attack. Not every stronghold that we face or deal with is a stronghold that is something evil in our lives. It's there to protect us. I don't want to spend much time on that. You can go into some of the nations of the world. We've been to England. They built castles there or did. And around the castles, they would have great walls. And outside of the great walls, they would have moats or, you know, big, a big ditch like all the way around to keep opposing enemies from overtaking their community or taking their people. It was a place for protection. So I want you to understand that there is a stronghold that can be a place of protection. The second definition or area of a stronghold is God said it like this. He said, I'm your stronghold. That's what the psalmist said when he said, the Lord is my refuge, a very present help in the time of trouble. He was saying he was a stronghold for us. He was a protector. He was one that would keep the enemies off of us. But I really want to deal with the third one. And Paul gives us the definition of that in 2 Corinthians because Paul is talking about a stronghold that is not trying to protect us, but but a stronghold that has been set up to keep us from what God has intended for us to walk in. I basically only got three points. Here's the first point I want to give to you this morning. I want to tell you, I don't care what your life is like, how messed up it might be, how, how, I'm, I'm can I talk in, you know, the world's term, how screwed up it may look and how you may have been defined here and there. I'm here to let you know that is is not the life that God intended for you. 
Not from the beginning and not from the middle and not from the end. I don't care where you blew it. I don't care where you failed. Jesus said, I came that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Adam, the first Adam and the people that his descendants were to walk in the fullness of God. They were to walk in authority. There would have never been a lack. There would have never been a want. There, you realize had they not sinned, there would have never been a sickness. There would have never been a problem in their life. That was never God's intent for his people. Why do you say all that? Because Paul tells us that, first of all, that a lot of times the thing that is keeping us from the life that God intended for us to live is the stronghold that's on the inside of us. He said, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. But he went on to tell us to cast down the imaginations. And according to this definition of a stronghold, it becomes a mindset. It becomes an attitude. It could be an un unjust, unrighteous, ungodly system, belief system that we have bought into to say that this is our life. Some of you, because of the sinful nature that we live in as men, have failed. And some of you failed royally in your life. You've let that thing mark you and define you. And it has dictated your life all of these years. But that's not what God called you to be. And that's not who God said you were. There was a lady, we, I shared a testimony Tuesday night in a meeting south of here. They had a, just a special, it was an anniversary service for a church. Pastor said it was one of his smallest uh, uh, attended meetings he's had. But he said in the meeting, they hit a stretch where they had about 30 or 40 minutes where the holy, he called it a holy hush. I've been in a few of those. It's been very rare, but I've been there where you couldn't speak nothing and nobody else could. You just had to sit in the presence of the Lord. He said, we wanted to move. We wanted to do this and we wanted to do that, but we couldn't move. But, but he said the next morning he got a call from, the, from a lady, 72 years of age, she said, Pastor, let me tell you what happened to me in the meeting last night. She said, I have suffered. I have dealt with the effects of abuse from my parent since I was a child. And I want you to know that 72 years later, God has set me free from that. That's a wonderful testimony. That's a wonderful testimony. And I'm so excited. But many people have lived for years in an identity and with a problem and with the mark and a scar that happened to you way back there. But I got news for you. God took care of that the moment she was violated. God had already taken care of that. But because she didn't know how to deal with 
with it. It became a stronghold in her life that I promise you has kept her from enjoying the blessings, no doubt in many different ways, the blessing of intimacy, the blessing of peace, the blessing of joy, the uh, just a true identity that I am not a messed up woman, that I am beautiful. I am everything God intended for me to be. But a stronghold got built. And for all these years, she lived behind it on the outside, not trying to be protected. It protected her. It kept her from getting what God wanted her to have. You realize that under the Old Testament, leprosy was a type of sin. It would be noted as a type of sin. When a person was considered leprous among the children of Israel, uh, they would be placed outside the camp. They couldn't stay in from what, correct me if I'm wrong, they couldn't stay in everything they wanted from their family to the blessing to everything they needed was on the inside but they couldn't get to it because their sin why because now a stronghold has been built up really not from the walls of the city but from their thinking this is who I am I'm a leper I am not deserving I am not worthy I cannot have the thing in the life that that God is intended for me to live. Paul said in his writings here, he said, cast down every imagination and every thought. He said, casting down for the weapons of our warfare, not carnal, not fleshly, but mighty through God. For, for, everybody say for. For the pulling down of strongholds, casting down the arguments. What is the argument? Many of you in this room, are, have, again, I've already defined it once, but life has defined you. Something along the journey has defined you, and it has told you this is all that you will ever be. I can never be anything more, but I'm here to declare to you through the Word of God today that is not what God intended. I don't care how old you are, how young you are. I don't don't even care what you're dealing with I believe today if you will hear the word of the Lord that stronghold is going to move it's going to come down and I believe every part of your life can absolutely be rearranged Pastor, I've lived this way too long. Well, let me remind you what the prophet Joel said. In the last days, God said, I'm going to pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And then he said this, I will restore to you the years that the canker worm, the palmer worm, the caterpillar, and all those other worms have come to destroy in your life. He said, I can destroy the years. You might be at 99 facing 100 and feel like you're getting ready to check out of heaven. I've heard people say, I've wasted a lot of my life. Well, friend, you may have wasted a lot of life, but God knows how to take one year and God knows how to put more into that one year, more fulfillment, more joy, more life that will be seen upon you and everybody around you because he knows how to transform everything about you. Look at your neighbor and say, he's a transforming God. Now remember, he said, casting down the imaginations, cast down these strongholds. This is the only way I know how to put it, so just hang with me. So I used the picture of the children of Israel because God said when he brought them out of Egypt, I've come to get you and to bring you out of bondage and to bring you out of the tormentor. 
I heard you speak that through the word of the Lord a while ago. Not quite exactly those words, but that's what you're saying. Israel was in Egypt and had been that way for 400 years. God appears, sends a deliverer by the name of Moses, said, I'm coming to break you out and I'm going to bring you into a land that is good, into a land that is large and a land that's overflowing with milk and honey. Let's say that together. It's good, it's large, and it's overflowing with milk and honey, which means there is more than enough. It is a lavish place. And I'm here to declare to you that is the will of God for your life. I believe it. And he sent a deliverer. And he said, I've got it for you. And he brings them out. They didn't have to do anything but trust him and follow him. That's the second point, I guess, if I had points in this, is to tell you. He made a way when you can't figure out the way. God himself made a way for you. To get into this place, to get beyond that stronghold, to enjoy what God intended for you to live. So now they're walking, they come to the promised land. They get this idea, let's go check it out. In the book of Deuteronomy it says, God said, well that's a good idea, I'll let them see if it's exactly, I told them what it was going to be like. See most of us don't believe the Lord. God tells us exactly what it's going to be like. But we don't believe it. i got to see it for myself, then I'll believe it. But they said, let's go check it out. They walked the land over for 40 days. So when they came back, this is what they said. I read it to you out of Numbers 13. You know what? It's exactly what God said. It is a land. It's overflowing with milk and honey. It's, do, it's everything that God said. But look at verse 28 again. Nevertheless, the people who dwell there in the land are strong. And this is what they're saying. Because they got this great walled city, we're not able to go in. What made the people strong in their eye? It wasn't because they were any different than them. They saw the great wall. They saw a city that was fortified. They saw, what, what, what am I, what, what, what am I, they saw a stronghold. I couldn't even think of what I've been talking about. They, 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 they saw a stronghold that was protecting their people. And when they saw the stronghold, this is what they began to say. We're not able. They are greater than us. They are stronger than us. They're taller than us. And we're not able. And in our own eyes, listen to how they're doing this. In our own eyes, we are only as grasshoppers compared to them. Now, let me tell you, where was the stronghold at? On the inside of them, not out. Had nothing to do with the wall. But they began to perceive the people. They began to perceive that wasn't the first walled city they've ever seen. They knew what strongholds were. That wasn't some of the largest people that they've ever seen. They've seen them before, but something has gone off on the inside of them. No doubt they still have some Egypt in them, even though God brought, the, brought them out of Egypt. They're still, in with, still dealing with the Egypt on the inside of this. I am good for nothing but just to be a slave in this world. So 40 years pass. 40 years have to pass before they'll deal with it. And Joshua tells, God speaks to Joshua. Moses has died. Need to look at a couple of things here. When Moses died, 
this isn't just about this isn't just about one leader and one leader stopping and another leader taking over this is really about one movement coming to an end and another movement beginning but yet it is connected it cannot stop you and I as a body as the body of Christ especially in this hour it says now after the death of Moses Moses could get them out of Egypt, but Moses couldn't get them into promise. He knew how to get them loose. That was his call. Sometimes, listen church, in the moves even of our past, we, we, we're in a moment of great change all over the world, all over the body of Christ. And I want to tell you, it's, it can be frustrating. It can be scary. It can even be, well, I don't even know if that's God or not. But you need to understand this is the Lord's doing. There's something that he did with Moses. Not only did Moses die, but he had him buried where nobody could find him. That tells me the fact is that if they had found him, they would have kept, they would have put him on a stick and they would have walked him around town and said, this is the move that we're following. But he hid him because he wants us to move on. He gave them a moment to grieve. I wrote this down just before I came out of the office to all of us as believers that have been in this place for a long time. Don't get caught in the grief of the last season. Because you'll grieve yourself to death over, I remember those days. I remember those days. I remember, I like those days. And really, you're in a moment of grief. And God hid that last movement. And a new movement has come to the scene. And God is saying, arise to the people. Let us arise and let us go over. And let us begin to take the promises that I have set out for you. And I have laid out for you. So they go, they rise up and they go. Couple verses. Remember, Israel thought that they thought that they that they were that they were weaker than the enemy. But chapter two, verse nine says this. Now, before they lay down, because Joshua sent some spies. I got too much to give to you in a short period of time. So don't let, if I get my stories messed up, we'll get them right. Okay, I'm in the book. I'm in the neighborhood. I'm not preaching heresy. So Joshua sends in spies to go see what's on the other side of that wall. You remember they stopped at a harlot's house by the name of Rahab that took care of them. And before they lay down upon the roof that night, she covered them and shielded them. She speaks to them. I know that the Lord has given you the land. I think, is that up there? I think we need to read that together, can we? I know that the Lord has given you the land and the terror of you has fallen upon us. I want you and I to understand something. Our enemy is more terrified of us and he knows more about what belongs to us than we do. But because of the falsehood in our hearts and the strongholds that we have built up, then we are convinced that we cannot take the land when they are saying, I know the Lord has given you the land. I know the promise you've been believing for. It's yours. It's waiting upon you. And so he says, let's go. 
And the children of Israel, Joshua rises up, raises up with the people. And he comes to the Jordan. They're at the brink. It's on the other side of the Jordan. He tells the, he tells the priest bearing the Ark of the Covenant to go before the people. And he tells the people to stay back enough paces. There's too much to give you. But he said, I want you to watch what is going on. And the moment that the priest with the Ark of the Covenant stepped into the water, that the waters opened up. And it was the time of harvest. So the waters is really a above the bank but when they step in to the feet because this is God's plan God's making a way out of no way God's doing a supernatural thing in this moment to get you to your promised land you're saying it's impossible but God is saying I want you to stay just behind me enough to watch me but when you see me I want you to follow me because I'm going to get you into the place that seems to be impossible Impossible, And the waters backed up and all of Israel crosses on dry land. Not months, not years, but immediately began to walk across that land. You think about that. That wasn't only supernatural for them to get across and the waters backing up. I don't know what the riverbed was like. It could have been sand. It could have been rock, but when water had been setting on you and they're bringing that many people and they're bringing oxen and they're bringing wagons and every, I got news for you. It's going to have to be solid enough to get it across that God done a supernatural work that what would take weeks and months with the dry sun to dry it out, to make it hard. God done it in a moment. I'm here to tell you, you need to start believing now, not a year from now, not months from now, but now in this time. Everybody say now. They come across. And then when he comes across, Moses tells, Moses, Joshua tells the people, he tells the elders, he said, get some stones out of the river. And he said, I want you to bring them up and you're going to set them on this side as a memorial. Because when, you, when the time comes that your children come back about this way because they're just walking the land and they're inhabiting it, that was their purpose, not to go back to Egypt. But when they come back to this place, it will testify and it will declare the goodness and the glory of the Lord. And then they get ready. Of course, there's activity that goes on in between them. And the Bible said the moment they crossed over. Look at chapter 5, verse 12. The moment when they crossed into this place, into this new time. The word said that the manna ceased on the day after they had eaten. And the produce of the land. And the children of Israel no longer had manna. But they ate food of the land of Canaan that year. From that moment before, every day God gave them manna from heaven. But once they crossed over... God said it isn't going to be there anymore because I gave you authority and I have given you the ability in the land of which I've gone to produce that is full, that is good, that is overflowing. I have given you the ability to produce everything you're going to need with your own hands. That day is ceasing. Listen, church, I believe we're in a moment of time. The thing that we've been asking God to do 
God is saying, I'm ready for you to start doing it. Come on, somebody. I'm, gonna, I'm trusting you. I'm giving you the authority. I'm giving you the grace to do it. I see some strongholds have got to come down in this place because I can see them in your eyes that you're behind, you're behind a stronghold. I don't know if I believe that or not. But then in chapter 6 or chapter 5, verse 13, this is something incredible to look at. It came to pass that when Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and behold, a man, behold, a man stood opposite of him with the sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, are you for us? Are, are you one of our adversaries or for our adversaries? Are you for us? Are you for our adversaries? Go to the next verse. And so he said, no, but as the commander of the army of the Lord, I have now Come, and Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshiped him and said unto him, What does my Lord say to his servant? Church, may I declare something to you that at this moment of time, I believe this is Jesus appearing, the commander of the armies of the Lord, the commander of angel armies, stands here with Joshua. And I want you to notice his position. Joshua doesn't know why he's there. He doesn't know if he's for him. He doesn't know if he's against him. But I believe, I believe this, that when this commander, as the word said, notice it's a man, the Bible, a capital M. I know Dr. Dave has been sending out some posts about the commander of the Lord's army. I believe this is Jesus saying, I'm ready to fight for you. I'm ready to release my heavenly host. I'm just waiting for you to get beyond the stronghold and pull it down in your life and once you pull it down and you start acting like I've told you to act then you're going to see angel armies come in abundance church I believe we need to be expecting oh come on heaven's angels to be working on our behalf <coughs> okay I guess I'm going to have to land this jet and then he said let's go in this is what he said, do. He said, I want you to send the Ark of the Covenant. I want you to send the army. And you're going to follow in behind in all of Israel. And for six days, you're going to march around this place called Jericho. This fortified city. It's a stronghold. It was a protector for everybody that was in it because they're fearful of what's on the outside. But it's a stronghold for Israel because until it comes down, they're not going to get the blessing of the promised land. And God said, you're going to deal with this stronghold first. And I want you to march around it six times. And I don't want you to say a word. Once a day, every day, for six days, go around. And I'm going to have, I'm going to have seven priests with seven trumpets that are going to make a sound once a time every day. But on the seventh day, you'll not go around it one time, but you'll go around it seven times. And then at the end of the seventh time, when you, lift, I, when you hear the trumpet sound, I want you to lift up a shout and the walls are going to come down. Now every bit of this picture that I've given you, and there's not enough time to unfold it, and unpack it right, 
is a picture of salvation, a picture of redemption, a picture of the Savior, and what Jesus has done in our life. Every bit of it. Moses is a type of Christ. Moses dying represents Jesus going to the cross. Moses being buried is a type of Jesus being placed in a tomb. Joshua, whose name means Jehovah is salvation, is a picture of the risen Christ. It's a picture of the risen Christ. Him saying, arise and follow me. is now him saying, talking to us about the new life that we have in Christ. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. When they come to this promised land and they march around seven times, I thought, okay, God, what is this all about? Six is the number of man. He said, I don't want you to say a word. I believe our words are so greatly important that if you're going to get through your strongholds, you're going to have to learn to order your words and you're going to have to learn to keep your mouth. And some of us need to keep it shut. Shut up. Can I say it real plain? Shut up. You're cursing yourself. You're fortifying your stronghold. You're keeping everything in its place when God wants to move it. He said for six days, I don't want you to say a word. Man, I tell you, that'd be a chore for some of us, even six minutes. To keep our mouth closed. But then why seven days? Why couldn't he have done it on the first day? I believe it's all a picture again of the plan of God from the very beginning. Notice there were seven days. There were seven days of creation. When did everything really start that man entered into the life that God intended for him was at the end of the seventh day. When God said it was finished, seven is the number of completion. God is wanting to know, wanting you to know, I have completed the work. You don't have to labor. You don't have to struggle. I have completed and finished the work for you to have the life that I've intended for you to live. I believe the number of seven also speaks of this. It speaks of rest. I believe there's something that God is saying to the body of Christ. I believe we're in a season where you and I are going to have to learn to rest and trust Him. Because we are so used, I've got to do this in order for God to do that. If God said He's done it, then why do you and I have to do anything but just do what He told us? That's it. I just need to rest in Him. Are y'all okay? I believe there's a number, another reason for the number of seven. Because when you go to the back of the book, in the book we call Revelation, there were seven trumpets of judgment. And I believe that, I think is right. I believe the Lord was saying completely, remember seven is a number of, of completion, that God was bringing judgment upon the enemies that have vexed and have controlled and have dominated your life. God has already 
he passed judgment upon them and he said they're illegal. They're there. They're there unrighteously. It is not your plan. So all you need to do is follow him. And on that seventh day when they went around and they'd done it seven times and the worship team is coming, they lifted up a shout and the Bible said all the people shouted. What are we to shout? We're to shout the victory. It's jubilee. Every debt has been broke. Every assignment of the enemy has been annihilated. It's been done. It's been completed. God's done it all. But the enemy has convinced us. You see, let me, why, Pastor, if it's so easy, then why is it this way? Because most of us forget that we are being renewed day by day. I'm born again. I'm going to say it like this. I'm born again as much as I ever going to be born again. I'm on my way to heaven. I'm on my way. No question. I'm on my I'm born again as much as I will ever, ever be. But what is it? totally born again yet is this flesh and this mind that is needing to be renewed day by day by day and I live in a world that is still under the guise of the of the curse back there and it still presses on me and it still gets on me and believe it or not You don't even have to be involved in it for it to get on you. You can just walk among it and it's on you. I went into a restaurant the other day. Happened to be one of my favorite places, Mexican of all places. Who had ever thought that? But when I come out, I smelt like tacos. When I come, I didn't bring a taco with me. They weren't in my pocket. They weren't in a box. Matter of fact, I had been out probably for 30 minutes, but I still smelt like the inside of where I had been. I needed to be cleaned. I needed to be washed. I need to be told that's not who I am. That's not me. Every day, every day the enemy comes and he'll remind you. Listen, just because you blew it back there and you've repented of it. See, you bought the lie that if I still remember it, I'm not forgiven. I'm sorry, I don't know where you found that. It's not scriptural, I don't think. And it's not God's will for you. There's a lot of things I wish I could forget. How many besides me got some stuff you wish? How many of you have ever gone down the road out of the clear blue and in the enemy out of nowhere, a memory of something way back there happened? I know y'all holier than I am, but them things creep up. Tells me what I used to be, but Miss Denise... I, that's under the blood back there. 
I'm forgiven of that. I I don't have to go back and say, God, you remember on January 28, 19, whatever, when this happened? I don't have to go back and repeat that. Why? I've already put that under the blood. But pastor, why am I dealing with my mind? That's where we got to be washed and renewed in our mind so that, listen, when that memory comes up, I am no longer condemned. I am no longer judged. I am no I can just say hey that was a day past I am so thankful for what Jesus has done in my life strongholds I just given you a little bit strongholds keep us mess with us in every area of our life physically you got strongholds built up because you go to the doctor he'll tell you one uh did your daddy have heart condition? Yeah. Okay. Stronghold just came up. Believe it or not, that happens. That that happened. I, I want to know your history. Tell me what your tell me if it's in your family line. I, I, I got I gotta deal with this. Our, our culture, even my friends that are here that are coming through addiction. See your programming, please. I, I don't want to offend anybody. Please don't anybody be offended at what I'm going to say. If I'm not careful, even my program that is intended to get me free can convince me that once I'm an addict, I will always be an addict. Stronghold. Stronghold. It's in my mind. It's not out there. It's just, and so what happens? When that stronghold is there and the temptation comes, even though I know I don't do that, I feel that temptation because, see, we're convinced if I was really righteous, I would never have a temptation. That's not true. Paul said when we are tempted, let us not think that we're tempted of God because God tempts no man with evil. But I'm still in a world that brings temptation. I don't know about you. I'm not that holy that I've overcome. That I'm, I'm holy enough that temptation don't want to bother me. Sometimes it wants to tell me to quit. Sometimes it wants to tell me this. It's a temptation. That what I'm doing here this morning is wasted time. It wants to tell me serving Jesus. There's nothing to it. It's a stronghold. It's in my mind. It's here. It's inside of can affect my health that can affect my wealth well we blew it we won the lottery and I lost it in the first month I want to tell you I can tell you why you blew it you probably didn't have please don't be upset with me but you probably didn't have enough grace to even embrace it when it when you won it It was already lost before you ever got it because most of us, if we haven't lived in those kinds of numbers and with that, we don't know how to deal with it. And then when everybody pulls around you because now you're the best thing like butter and bread and everybody wants to bring their hard luck story to you and because you got a heart of mercy, you want to give to everybody. You've given everything away before you've ever had an opportunity to see with what we're supposed to do with it. I'm not promoting the lottery. I'm just promoting wealth. Because sometimes it's not that God doesn't have it for you. But look at how you've lost it over time.
stronghold. Stronghold that tells me, God, I'm, I'm just meant for this. I've heard people say, I've heard people say, this is my lot in life. Mm. Where did you get that? Did you ever hear this? Well, this is just the way the cards fail. That sounds like me. You just entered into witchcraft. Because God doesn't operate by cards. Hello? Strongholds, where are you at this morning? 